Oh, Zoom's doing that thing where it uses all my CPU and then crashes. So if that happens, I'll see you in a minute. Uh-oh. Okay, well, we'll see you in a minute. He just managed to say that before it used all his CPU and then crashed, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah, he's frozen. This does not normally happen, viewers. Hello everyone and welcome to the very 30th episode of Octothorpe being an instalment of Octothorpe Live. Pause for ooze. <clears throat> Pause for ooze. Ooh. There it is. Oh, you meant from us. Well, no one else can talk. Uh, this episode will be going out on the 29th of April. I'm John Coxon. I'm Alison Scott. And I'm Liz Batty. So... We have a myriad of letters of comment today. We have tweets of comment, discords of comment, Facebook messages of comment, emails of comment. Many other forms of comment are available. Please check your local comment vendor for details. Chris Garcia writes in to apologise for not locking us last issue. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Chris Garcia notes that uh, he's sorry for not locking the last episode, but uh, he was busy being fired, Um, which is very sad. Sorry, Chris. Uh, We hope you find employment soon. Chris also says, Congratulations to Hugo-nominated fanzine editor John the Rock of England Coxon. Much deserved and I hope you win. So I I suspect that Chris is hoping that I will win is linked to the fact that if I win, Chris will also win. So I think it might not be an entirely altruistic expression of hoping of winness. Okay, I know I was told there was a subject I was not allowed to snark about on this podcast, but you were really trying my patience at this point, John. <laughs> and then he says, congratulations, Alison, on the Doc Weir, which is much deserved, and that certificate you shared on the social media was phenomenal. You're awesome. That's very nice. Thank you. <laughs> and then he says other things. Hurrah! And then he signs it. Yours, John Coxon. Wait, no, I meant Chris Garcia. He's working very hard at it. I want to read out Mark Plummer of Croydon's lock in full because I thought it was very funny. And I will try to read it out without um, laughing while I do it. Claire and I were playing Arkham Horror earlier. Things started getting interesting around the fifth turn. I rolled a six and advanced my Charles Dexter Ward figure the appropriate number of spaces. Excellent, I thought, as I rummaged in the papers in front of me, handed over $100 and positioned my little green plastic house on the square. Next time around, I'd be able to build a hotel on Dunwich. Fiendish indeed. Claire picked up the die and rolled a two. Hmm, not so good. She moved her Nathaniel Wingate Peasley forward and decided to try a theory. Was it Nyarlathotep in the Miskatonic University with the blasphemous Icor? <gasps> That's pretty horrifying, I said. And this is Arkham Horror, and the objective is to be horrifying, except no, that's not the answer. My turn. I picked a card and read it out. Damn. Go to the Mountains of Madness. Go directly to the Mountains of Madness. Do not pass Innsmouth. Do not collect the spawn of the the forgotten. Claire sensed that the tables had turned and went on the offensive. E3, she said triumphantly. I threw down my cards in frustration. Blast. You've sunk my shubnigarath. Thank you, Mark. We thought that was very good. It made me giggle quite a lot when I read it. <laughs> What's really interesting is that I know that you have not in fact played the Arkham Horror card game, but that is pretty much what it was like. So, you know. Hmm. <laughs> uh, right. OK. Um, yeah. I. Hmm. It makes me wonder whether you were paying as much attention as I was when we played it together. But maybe that's unfair. John, I'm never paying as much attention because I know you are paying attention. That is why, like, I asked you 10 times yesterday whether I'd used up all my actions and you had to be like, I'm not actually tracking every single thing you were doing in this game, Liz. All right. So. More letters. Mark did also write another lock in which he doesn't talk about Arkham Horror almost at all. He he mentions it a little bit. This is a lovely glimpse of, you know, life into a certain Croydon fanish household. Um, but I think I think he I think he raises a good point, which is that when he goes to an in-person EastCon, he's essentially going on holiday with his mates, most of whom he doesn't see otherwise. And I think, and he says, as such, he thinks the quality of the convention is only a contributing factor to the experience. I think that is um, basically true in that, and it's something I've been talking about 
a little bit since confusion wrapped up which is i had fun at confusion and i think it is worth bearing in mind that it would have been very impressive had i not given how many of my friends were all in the same place that weekend i think it would be very difficult uh not to enjoy yourself in some ways um so i do i do think that is something worth bearing in mind that we are always kind of grading on a curve i guess yeah but also i think i even a really terrible easter con is fun because you're essentially on holiday with your mates and confusion could not fall back on the fun of being on holiday with your mates because we were not on holiday with our mates yeah he talks about the experience of being in gather and finding himself talking to a couple of unexpectedly interesting people and then and then other unexpectedly interesting people turned up which i think is right but also having the experience of um trying to talk to someone in gather and they ran past 100 miles an hour which does happen at conventions too so you know well that that's a story where i remember it because it was me who ran past so i noticed mark was in the cantina so i went up to him and i said hi mark and by the time he had managed to um, unmute and video himself, I had already gone back to newsletter. Uh, but you know, I was, I was, I was in a rush to get back to newsletter because uh, I owed things to the newsletter, like my soul, my blood, my sweat, and my tears. On the subject of confusion, DC also writes in, and they say that they think it is important to note explicitly with regard to confusion that there were not just potential accessibility issues with the platform's use, but there were issues um, which impacted negatively on members and which led to people in the community not joining uh, confusion. And they kind of note that some of these are things that affect people with visual, hearing, or neuromotor problems. And I think, I think, um, and, and they say, that they know we weren't trying to minimise those things in any way, but it would be wrong to overlook the extent to which various groups of people were felt actively excluded. Um, yes, uh, we are. We didn't intend to minimise that, and we are very sorry uh, if it came across that way. Um, we did, I think, spend quite a lot of time in the run-up to Confusion discussing how their pre-con decisions were um, uh, making those groups of people feel disenfranchised. And I think um, uh, that's one of the reasons we didn't touch on it as much last uh, episode uh but yes it's a very good point and uh we thank dc for bringing it up yeah i think it's a, also a good point that uh, you know sometimes if i uh complain about conventions communication decisions it's merely things that are like slightly inconveniencing me or annoying me a little bit but for other people they can actually be deal breakers about whether they can attend the convention or not so it's mm. good to be reminded of that pat mcmurray wrote in now this is very good because pat is kind of taking us on a tour of our back catalogue in the medium of locks which we are enjoying hugely so pat wrote us a lock which uh, he titled octothorpe 2 and it is a lock which deals with octothorpe's issue 21 26 1 2 27 and 29 uh and so this is um we we, we thoroughly enjoyed uh this kind of um thoroughly enjoyed this kind of thing uh and thank you very much for writing it pat we i'm and i have seen uh, a few other people um on facebook been talking about some of our earlier episodes um and having gone back to listen to them um we apologize uh so Alison's first re- recording studio was a well uh and mine was a sort of muffly scratchy haystack that i was embedded in and liz uh, was obviously on the beach the whole time uh so we have uh substantially reworked our recording environment since then and we apologize for the for the less good audio quality of those first episodes um but we're glad that people are going back to them enjoying them hurrah and thank you for the lock uh pat it's nice to to read I enjoyed Pat's lock because it's a bit like turning Octothorpe into some kind of like time loop podcast. It occurs in a, a non-linear fashion, which I think is fun. Maybe we should do a non-linear podcast one day, but that will annoy everyone. I'm pretty sure that mentioning the fact that it's a time loop is a spoiler. <laughs> I'd also say to those of you who are watching on Octothorpe Live, you can see how John and Alison have you know gone for upgraded and more impressive kit, whereas I'm still using the same 15 quid headset that I got for free that I was using on Octothorpe One. One day I will buy a better microphone, but much like an iPhone, I have not yet been pressured into it. Yeah, my microphone comes courtesy of Chris O'Shea. Thank you very much, Chris. It, um, I, at some point, I too will buy a better microphone, but it hasn't happened yet. My microphone came from a place called Argos. Farah Mendelssohn wrote to us on Facebook Messenger to say that Robin Hobb is a huge Jigsaw fan and 
at Luncon 3, they made three of her um, book covers into jigsaws uh, for the social space in exhibits and then gave them to her after the convention. So um, this is, I think, a letter of comment based on an early episode of Octothorpe, as I was just referencing. Yes, unlike unlike Pat, Farah is listening to Octothorpe in numerical order. I don't think it makes any more sense that way. It may may even make less sense to listen to it in the order we did it. It might be that Pat is discovering hidden themes that are um, not visible to the normal listener. <laughs> Bridget says, opportunity for a whole new tranche of rhyming poems. So my, my thought was really, what? There were three giant Robin Hobb book <laughs> There were three giant Robin Hobb book cover jigsaws in the social space and exhibits. I never saw those. And then I remembered that's because I didn't see anything at Longcon apart from the inside of program ops. Yay! I saw some other stuff, but I did not find the jigsaws. That's fair. I explored the exhibits hall uh, vigorously and thought it was fantastic. Uh, well done to everyone involved in putting it together. But that's because you were 17 at Luncon and that's how it works. That's, a, that's, a, that, that's an outrageous lie. An outrageous lie. I was 25. Yes, 25, because I was still a young person for the purposes of paying for membership. <laughs> just oh god and we've also had a couple of tweets of comment there's one from Ange uh androsin who says there is one thing she's fairly confident she could do and it's cross-platform accessible instructional video and she says send anything you need doing her way so anyone who wants accessible videos her twitter username is ang underscore g-r-r-r i think she meant us oh did she I don't think she meant everyone in the world. Oh, no. Not everyone in the world is listening to this podcast. It'll be fine. Yeah, but you have to count all the people in the future who go back and listen to it either (laughs) in numerical order or in random date order. And Peter Sullivan tweeted to say a killer feature of Gather that we didn't mention was the ability to find anyone else in Gather using the magic red line on the floor. I would gladly consider giving tech ops whatever tech budget they need to be able to replicate this in real life i am also very fond of the stalk your mates option and gather um and actually in fact if you'd like to um if, if you'd like to talk to alison about giving everyone at the convention an oculus quest 2 and setting this up i'm sure alison would be very interested in working with you on it her twitter username is b-o-h-e-n but also i mean i when you said that i was like oh i wonder if you could if you took the eastercon tech budget how many oculus quests would have that have bought is this a bit like um, if you look at the test and trace budget in the UK, you could have just sent everyone in the country an iPhone and had them switch tracking on? That's actually true. That's how much they spent. Very, very large amount of money. That's, that, that's, not, that's because the actual job of test... Anyway, sorry, that's definitely off topic and we are definitely not talking about it. Um, John, your iPhone cannot yet do a PCR test. Lies, maybe. I'm sure Apple will, you know. If I shove it far enough down my throat, Liz, we'll see. <laughs> okay, where anyone would like to suggest where we might shove John's iPhone far enough, should mention it in chat. Ian Snell said that when we were discussing the problems of an ops room trying too hard to replicate a physical convention, it struck him that there's an extremely useful point of reflection here. Not only did they fail in trying to replicate a physical convention in the use of a walkie-talkie apps in an ops room, but in fact, they seriously dropped the ball in normalising the use of additional channels in providing support. And um, he basically says he thinks that future conventions should promote use of tools like Discord so you can easily report problems from around the convention to ops without needing to travel to the ops room. And I think this is something that future conventions are... um, thinking about and, and and is a good idea um and i'm i'm looking forward to seeing that kind of thing um being taken up by future east cons and it's actually very good to do it in discord because i've seen this kind of thing happen on twitter but then if 10 people all send you a message on twitter saying this thing is going wrong then you have to like reply to all 10 of them and say yeah we're aware we're going to fix it in discord you can do that once and then everyone's like yep all right they're on top of it sit back relax except they're not because the fans will probably send another 10 messages but in theory that would work the chat's going wild they want us to set up a poll but i I wasn't paying enough attention to know what the poll they want us to set up is so um you know 
We're definitely not setting up a poll, guys. We're recording a podcast. Wait for chat afterwards. <laughs> Can we set up a uh, non-legally binding consultative referendum? We are going to do that. More <clears throat> we are later. Foreshadowing. And then lastly, and bestly, and PhD resistancely, it is Claire Briley from Croydon who says, uh, thank you very much for the compliments, but why don't you write to us? You really are living the closest a podcast can get to the fanzine life, aren't you? And that, that is a fair comment. Lots of you wrote to us this time, and you will know because next, if we if we carry on getting this many letters, we are going to have to institute a we also heard from section on our podcast. They want to do a poll of where you stick the iPhone. Yes. Oh, God. Okay. That, yes. Family show, guys. Family show. Including uh, an thank option you. for other details in comments. Thank you. Uh, thank you to Andrew January for the Bugle reference. And also uh, said that she thinks I'm Will Bailey in The West Wing. I haven't seen The West Wing. So, like, most of these references are for the enjoyment of other people. But I'm happy. I'm happy to let myself be used as a tool for other people's enjoyment. I'm it, going it to is a good reference. Bear that in mind for future reference. Claire also notes that she enjoyed Liz's Badger poem, and most significantly, though, you've previously talked around various ways in which people multitask while listening to the podcast, but she thinks Badger has won that topic. If anyone wants to claim they were also licking their own bum while listening, well, it's really up to you whether you want proof. We do not want proof. Oh, no, no. No, 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 no. no. We don't even want to be informed, really. Oh, no, we want to be informed. We just don't want you to prove No, it. no, just, just inform John Coxon. His, his <laughs> and my Twitter, Twitter handle is J-O-H-N. <laughs> um, right. Yes, but thank you all, as, as we say, thank you all very much for the lovely letters of comment. They were very nice. We have a new feature this week, which is called Ask Octothorpe our segment and for this first time if there are questions you'd like the octothorpe trio to answer you can do it in um in chat you can ask them in chat and at some point we will collate them and then answer a couple of funny ones later in the show using our patented back chat method to decide which one we're going to do oh you want me to make the announcement well i want you to do the i want uh, you to yeah, do the fine, joke fine. you said you'd do we have decided that we are going to run punctuation two dot 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 that was a joke that was a joke that was a joke um punctuation two <laughs> will be on the 18th to 20th of june and in traditional style you can't quite join it yet you'll be able to join it quite soon yeah um in late spring as um <laughs> as civil servants would say <laughs> Um, so yes, it's going to cost a fiver again, but this time it's going to cost a fiver if you'd like to pay us a fiver, or a tenner if you like what we're doing and would like us to support us a bit more, or nothing if you like what we're doing but you don't want to pay us a fiver, um, or if you think you don't know, aren't sure if you like it or not and want to just pop in for an hour. Yeah. So yeah, we will let you know how to do it um, soon, and we will also let you know um, how you can help. In fact. When you join, you're going to get a note saying, here's the link to tell us how you'd like to help. So we currently have on our website a big blue button, which says um, sign up for an email when we open registrations. And if you type in your email and click that button, we will send you an email when we open registrations. If you were a member of Punctuation One, we will also send you an email when we open registrations. And if you are in the Discord for Punctuation One, we will put in the Discord when we open registrations. Uh, but that will be the only thing we post uh, to the Punctuation One mailing list, and it will be the only thing we post in the Punctuation One Discord. So um, don't worry about getting inundated with messages you're not interested in. Uh, we just want to let people know that the second one is open if they'd like to join. And yes, it's going to be good. We're going to bring back some old favourites like breakfast and the beer tasting and the Notter Park run. You too can listen to me run five kilometres. Hopefully the weather will be nicer this time because it's June and not November. If you've ever wanted half an hour of John doing heavy breathing, this is your chance. Liz has not ever wanted that, so Liz will not be taking me <laughs> up on it. 
Uh, I regret to inform you that the parks here are currently closed. And so if they open, reopen by June, I will go out and, you know, show you some live video of Komodo, of uh, monitor lizards, if, if, if requested. One of the reasons for choosing the dates, 18th to 20th of June, was that on the 21st of June, all restrictions on behaviour in England will cease forever. Not, um, no, not all restrictions <laughs> on behaviour in England will cease forever. Some very specific restrictions will cease forever, I really hope. All restrictions on COVID-safe behaviour in England <laughs> will cease forever. Um, and, and so it would be quite... I don't know what the word is. Ironic. So this, if at punctuation two, we were just about to celebrate the very end of lockdown forever, <laughs> and and Liz was stuck in her flat, unable to go out for coffee. I mean, um, let's not. I mean, we all hope that Liz will not be stuck in our house uh, for ages. Uh, but yes, so punctuation two is basically the dead dog party of lockdown. So come and have one big last hurrah before COVID goes forever, because Boris Johnson told it to. I think we uh, might be being quite sarcastic at this point. I don't think we think this is the end of restrictions forever, but it might be the end of restrictions for a while. It might be the start of a nice, mostly unrestricted summer. And so let's do that by, you know, all sitting indoors on our computer for a weekend. Uh, but yes, we want to hear, you know, we want, we like to hear from people. What did you think worked really nicely at punctuation one and we should do again? What was shit and we should never do it again? Yeah. And, you know, we'll be asking for ideas of fun things. And especially since it will be June and not November, there may be exciting things you can do outside your house. And we are working on a couple of things which will be strict upgrades from the first punctuation. Uh, but we're not going to tell you what they are yet in case they don't work. And we will be doing a non-legally binding consultative referendum on some different options we're uh, throwing around with regards to exactly how we run our tech stack and what people would find the most accessible slash the most usable so and again that will be going out in the same email uh, as the announcement that we've opened our registrations to punctuation one members and we will also be posting a link to that in the anonymous claire discord um, so if you would like to uh, join the consultation uh, you will see it when it is ready I think that's everything on punctuation too. Uh, yeah, come along. It'll be fun. Yeah. We're going to have fun. We're looking forward to it. Start planning your breakfasts now. Yeah, start planning your... Me- so one of my big takeaways from virtual conventions was that big takeaways are good mm. at virtual conventions. So you should definitely start planning your big takeaways. I recommend kebab. Um, yeah, I also recommend kebab. And Liz recommends some Thai thing that we can't get here, which is very tasty, apparently. Yeah, probably. I mean, probably multiple options for that. But I admit I was a bit jealous because um, fried breakfasts are not a huge thing. And it's much harder to get like nice bacon and sausages. So I would come to the breakfast thing, which to me would be a mid-afternoon. And everyone would be like tucking into their, you know, delicious full English. And uh, I'd be drinking a cup of coffee. No, Claire, no. Banana hummus is what caused that spontaneous outburst from Liz. We still don't have a chair. Oh, we should say we have extra people on the committee this time. We definitely should have said that. This time we have a committee of six people, all mad gaming fans. The the centre of gravity of the punctuation committee was not sufficiently based in South London. And to rectify this, we have added two people to address the balance and that is claire briley and mark Plummer of croydon uh, you may recognize them from their locks uh we're happy to have them on the team um they have good ideas and they will make punctuation two better than it would be without them so thank you very much to both of them for volunteering they will certainly make it better punctuated they will um doesn't that mean that the center of gravity of the convention is now somewhere about western greece yeah but that is more south london than it was before I'll calculate it. Yeah, this will calculate it. Oh, God. There are Python scripts to do this sort of thing, probably. So on the subject of virtual conventions, SwanCon has had to cancel their convention the day before it was due to start due to a three-day lockdown. Uh, For those who don't know, SwanCon is the convention of Perth in Australia. Um, And uh, we would like to note that SwanCon announced uh, the day before that they were not going to be running a convention and they had time to do some online program items. Not every convention has found that they have had time to do online program items with a similar lead time. 
I, I am I am hugely impressed by that. Um because I feel I feel desperately sorry for them, especially if you were doing all that planning and then literally the, the day before um you have to just yeah, and I then, think they're postponing. They're, they're, yeah. They'll be able to run it quite soon, I think. But it's it must have been an appalling shot for them. We're very sorry. We hope that the reschedule SwanCon is amazing. And um, we are very sorry to anyone who is going, because uh, that sucks. And on the subject of postponing conventions, look at these seamless segues, guys. Discon 3 are changing their dates to December for my birthday. Whoa. Yeah, we'd have talked about this two weeks ago, <laughs> but uh, we were too busy talking about Eastercon two weeks ago. So yes, Discon is now a live action convention in December. I think they said there may still be some hybrid elements as well. There will be some hybrid um, elements. And it's the weekend before Christmas, which I have to say, guys... Um, removes any lingering chance i was going to be able to get to it yeah i'm uh also not planning to attend i don't think although if i hear a sad noise from hispania in the other room uh maybe i will change my mind life on air we'll see i mean right now it, it, it's moot because none of us are allowed into the us right now i think anyway so really given we don't know when that will shift i'm not sure whether august to december makes a big a big change for that um i think people who don't like hot weather will be much happier with the December date. Yes, I think you might be right. It won't be that cold. It'll probably just be quite cold. But I calibrate everything on a different scale now. That's not really the most important thing. Oh, they've even got... Actually, there is a there is a frequently asked questions about what is the weather like in, in, in mid-December, so I'm clearly not the only person worrying about that. And the answer's bloody awful, right? No, the answer is high of seven and low of one on average. That's fine. Which is, you know, chilly, quite cold. Couple of jumpers. Bringing my pro- it's, it's bringing my proper coat weather. Yeah. There's no such thing as bad weather. There's just bad clothing. Though, though you'll be inside all weekend, so. Yeah. Um, and this has raised questions about the deadline for site selection, says Kevin Stanley on Dreamwidth. We've put a link in the show notes if you would like to read about that. I, um, yes, I had thoughts, but I forgot them. Or more accurately, I decided they were too tedious to say out loud. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Kevin, Kevin's basically said they should reopen site selection and everyone else has said, there, there, Kevin. I think that's, is that right? I think that's right. No, I think I can see where he's coming from on a principled stand basis. The other thing that happened while we were talking about Eastercon was that Bain's Bar returned um, with all of its odd posts intact and um, with a note from Tony Weisskopf saying um, that she'd reviewed them and didn't think there was a problem with them. So um, that's a thing. I I feel like this is now sitting around being a issue for fandom that is unlikely to go away that it's going to continue to cause us trouble but we'll see and um mike gloria wrote about this and we've got a link in the show notes but i do think that um i th- i don't know if liz and allison agree with me here but um i do think that now that she's been like oh no all of this was fine it's like yeah you should not have uh been uh the discon three guest of honor and that was probably the right decision i know it sets a horrible precedent and i know it's like very much not something we've done traditionally but dang yeah i suspect the discon committee who had to make that difficult decision are probably feeling uh better yeah <laughs> better about it i think that's fine the other thing about um the about discon moving its dates to december look at our amazing segues is that it means that we've got much longer for our Hugo reading and watching and for the very first time playing. So um, reactions to the Hugo finalists. Congratulations to John for his Hugo finalist spot for Journey Planet. We're very proud of him. Thank you. Yay. And congratulations to everyone else who was a finalist or is a finalist or was a finalist or will be a finalist in the future. Oh, no, okay. In that case, I was in the past, but who knows? Um, no, so so we, we have a couple of broad thoughts. We're not going to go massively into the weeds on the Hugo Awards, because, uh, you know... Because we're going to do that next episode, or maybe the one after. <laughs> there will be an episode where we go massively into the weeds. 
Yeah. At some point. Quite a lot of episodes, really. We've got we've got time. It's not till December. We've got ages. Yeah, we could just fill the entire podcast with Hugo Nerdery from now until December. An episode per category. I, I, I can, can I have an episode just for Hades, please? Because I can fill an entire episode with Hades nerdery. Um, yes, possibly. Octothorpe. It'd be more less Octothorpe Gaming Corner and more just Octothorpe at that point. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, so some top level thoughts about the Hugos. Firstly, I did a lot of reading this year in preparation for the Hugos with the net effect that I'm quite a lot further along with my fiction reading than I am usually, which is nice. Uh, and in general, I've been enjoying that. But my two overarching thoughts are... Um, Sorry, could I have a poll, please? Because I always say overarching. Oh, overarching? Overarching. And because of arches. But I understand that it's one of these difficult prefixes because obviously it's arc in archangel and arc in archaeology, but arch in archbishop. And in archive. Archbishop or... um, But they're just called that because they're very sarcastic. And so I don't know what the... (laughs) Arkham, Richard. see? Yes. <laughs> That's what happens when we are reading the, the chat while doing it. I, I would say overarching with Alison. So there you go, oh, John. Okay. Outnumbered. I'm going to have to just say overarching a lot and then edit it in where you two have said that to make it sound <laughs> natural. That's, that's annoying. I think the best game category is really good. And the reason I think this is because it is six games, none of which are all indie darlings and are all AAA games or are all big old PlayStation games. You know, there's a huge breadth in just the six titles that has really shown, I think, how much there is in the genre from the massive remakes of beloved games for your your kind of hardcore playstation gamers and then also a nice little browser game where you bet on baseball with black holes and there's like a whole narrative around that which is a bit strange uh and i really i'm playing spirit fairs at the moment i'm really enjoying it and yeah i'm super impressed with how broad the best game category is and it's already more vibrant than several other categories that have been around for a lot longer than it um and I have a beef to pick with the Hugos because I had been avoiding buying Hades ever since my son said to me, oh, mum, you would really like this game. It's a persistent roguelike of the sort that you drop into and then neither eat nor sleep for weeks on end. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're quite right. I'm not, I'm just not touching it with a barge pole. And then it got, it turned up on the Hugo ballot and I was like, oh, this is an excuse. And so if I owe you anything, if I haven't done something I said I'd do, if I've been, if I missed a major organisational meeting for your convention, if I did any of these things any time in the last two weeks, I'm very sorry. Whatever she said, whatever she did, she didn't mean it. I did. I, it's. I'm really, really enjoying this game, though. <laughs> Alison's doing the Hugo Voter Packet this year, so I'm looking forward to her giving me a free copy of this game later in the year. That's not part of my responsibilities. Boo! Um, is it possible to pay for pay for Blazeball? Have I? No, I don't think it is possible to pay for Blazeball. Yeah, no. So, so, so we actually have everything from a. You know, a triple A AAA game on a PlayStation through to a game you play in your browser for nothing. And I, I think that's quite good. I am similarly pleased to see a wide variety of stuff on there. I was slightly surprised not to see uh, Cyberpunk 2077, which, despite all the bugs, seemed to have been a quite well-received game. But maybe it came out quite late in the year and people didn't own it. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit sad because I would like to play all these games, but I actually only have the hardware to play four out of six and I've never played a Final Fantasy game, and I'd be quite interested in playing it, but it is still extremely expensive. John is waving a hand at me. I think you can play five out of six. Can I? Yeah, because I think Spiritfarers and Hades are both on PlayStation. Hades is not on PlayStation. What? Oh, but it's on Steam. The more general point is, very few of the Hugo voters are actually going to have the kit to play all six of these games, because it does require you to have both a Switch and a PlayStation 4. Hmm, true. Um, and that's that's quite a big ask. And I think that's something that separates it from most of the 
Hugo categories where we can expect most um, mm. most voters so, to be able to access all of the yeah. games. And, and I think there was some suggestion when we suggested this before that Let's Plays might be the solution to that, but I don't think they are because they're not the same. I think they might be for a couple of them, uh, not naming The Last of Us 2 explicitly. I just wanted to come back. So you mentioned Cyberpunk 2077. I'm not sure that's in the Hugo voters' wheelhouse, you know. I'm not sure that the Hugo voters are historically known, except for certain bad actors, for supporting works which are quite as undiverse as that game turned out to be shall we say and so i am entirely unsurprised the hugo electorate chose not to reward it and to be to be fair i think that was the right decision but as always it'll be very interesting seeing the other things that were nominated when the full when the long list comes out in december we have to wait till december no i am sad about that we do it's so annoying if kevin stanley wants to have opinions he should have opinions on releasing the full list in <laughs> august anyway like I, I, papa needs his stats i'm sure that's enough games chaps otherwise we'll start losing our audience won't we i mean mark's already written us a lock during the recording so <laughs> he did that before we started talking about games though and it's about games so you know it is about games i've got a tight i've got a tiny tiny bit more on games sorry because not only would I have to have, like, all... I basically would need a PlayStation and a Switch to play this. But also, The Last of Us Part 2 is still, I think, better part of 45 quid. The fancy, uh, F- Final Fantasy remake is still 40 quid. So, like, it's not only I would need these, but the investment to actually play the games in this category is about 100 quid. It's, it's a big thing. I am going to tell you how the young gamers play these games, which is that they buy them from their local secondhand game shop and then they sell them back to their local secondhand game shop. So, you know, for a total cost of about a fiver. So I don't think that's a, I don't think that's insane. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but I might have to get myself down to CEX once, uh, once lockdown eases a bit more and see if I can pick up cheap copies. I understand it's pronounced sex. Not on this podcast, it's not. This is a family show. A family show. Family show, Alison. It used to be that if you phoned them up, you'd the person answering the phone would say, you've reached the sex helpline, how can we help you? Something which has irritated me ever since I discovered it. So it, it pleased me to see uh, Blaseball on the list, actually, because that's one of the games that I've heard described as basically the game is one thing, but really everyone's playing for the emerging, emergent narrative around it. And I think that is very interesting because we had discussions about emerging narratives and things in games on previous episodes. No, and, and um, the current season of, of Blazeball is sponsored by a convention that focuses on Ludo narrative. Uh, and I think, yes, it is clear that an awful lot of the enjoyment of the game is not actually the mechanics of the game, which is really interesting. Uh, and it kind of reminds, reminds me of the Marble Olympics. Uh, but like, I think a lot of that's to do with emergent narrative as well, rather than it. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about there. I think, and also like some novels and stuff got nominated. Oh, that really? <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah. Who tells stories by writing them down on paper? Like what? Like, come on, guys! It's 2021. Strap on a graphics card. Let's get this. Let's get this baby going. I quite like novels. Just in case anyone is about to write in. Yeah, I'm also trying to watch the um, all the best dramatic presentation nominees because i should manage to do that despite not paying a lot of attention to television generally some of them are the short fi- the short form ones are kind of episodes of things so that probably requires me to write, watch quite a lot of things to get to the relevant episode i've already seen all of the best long form uh contenders except for tenet and if that is still the case when votes close i won't regard it as a huge problem uh i'm Everything I've heard about Tenet makes me reluctant to spend the amount of money to actually like purchase it. So if it doesn't come on a free streaming service between now and then, it is unlikely that I will watch it uh, in time for the Hugos. Unless it's in the Hugo Voter Packet and Alison gives me a free copy. I think it's most unlikely to be in the Hugo Voter Packet. True. Doctor Who might be. Was last year. I, I think there is a chance that some of the short forms will be, but I don't think any of the long forms will be. Historically, they have not been. Bridget says that at her old job, they had fire assembly points helpfully labelled on the maps as FAP in reassuringly large letters. Okay, what's left on the show notes? Are you done with games? <laughs> Are we ever done with games? I think Mark Plum would argue no. <laughs> um, but yes, I think so.
I was going to say, Tenet is the only one of the, the long forms I've actually seen. And I mean, I did enjoy it, but I did go and see it in the cinema, having not been to see a film in the cinema for many months because they were closed. So I did enjoy it that way. Uh, you do have to turn your brain off a bit. And I, I, I missed about a quarter of the dialogue, I think, because it's very hard to hear. And I'm not sure if that helped or hindered my enjoyment of the film. So I, I might watch it again just with the subtitles on to see if it's any, any more enjoyable. That's fair. If you are interested in watching the best long-form dramatic presentation finalists, then you can come along to the Snark Along channel on the Anonymous Claire Discord where there are discussions of such things and you can discuss them with us. Um, uh, we think we've watched Palm Springs so far. I don't think we've watched any others, have we? Uh, not in Snark Along, no. Uh, we, I mean, Snark Along has watched other things, but but in true Snark Along form where we have chatted over the film. Whereas, for me at least, I'm going to watch the BDP finalists um, without having people talking over them at the time. Um, except for you and Stephen. Except for me. I mean, it, it, I think it's kind of okay still to have one person on, on the sofa going, what's that about? Is that is that the same character as that one earlier? And you go, yeah, they're, they're both clean-cut white American men in their early 20s and are therefore indistinguishable. The Warhammer 40,000 movie Ultramarine is an animated movie where everyone is exactly the same white guy, and that was enormously difficult to follow. It did not find its way onto the Hugo ballot for some reason. Shockingly. Has there ever been a good game-based movie? Discuss. Oh, we should talk about that sometime. In- there has. Um, Goldeneye, the James Bond film. Mm-hmm. Wasn't the game afterwards? Some people have argued that, yeah, but yeah, yeah. what okay. even is time? Okay. So apart from Minesweeper, the trailer, which I would argue... Ah, oh, yes, yeah. now. Um, we really are off topic. I'm so sorry, guys. Detective Pikachu's quite good, in actual fact. I know it sounds like I'm trolling, but I genuinely enjoyed that movie. Yeah, no, people say that's very good. Firecom. Doing things. Alison's bought a ticket. Liz, have you bought a ticket? Yeah, I couldn't go last year, so I have, because they'd sold out by the time I tried to join. So this year I have joined. I will probably go to it. Um, Yeah. Yes, I think it's worth saying that last year they had limited tickets um, and... So I, I didn't buy one last year because I would not have been able to attend much of the convention. I did buy a ticket for the Fringe, which is explicitly in my time zone, which was very good and was free. I might buy a ticket this year because since they're unlimited this year, I don't feel I'm taking away a ticket from someone who could make better use of it. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Do they do programming in your time zone, which is uh, not adult rated? Sorry, programming am I? You said it was explicitly in your time zone. I was just wondering if there's any non-explicit content in your time zone. What I love about this is the audience <laughs> finally gets to see your reactions to my jokes like on your faces and they get to understand why I have such a good time. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have many people in the chat saying that they love Detective Pikachu. So I will try and watch that at some point. And DC says, in reaction to my joke, Tumbleweed, which yeah. is fair. <laughs> it's the reaction to a many of John's jokes. It's true. It's why yeah. I love being me. As as has been noted, the last time Firecon did uh, a convention, they had a l- much smaller pool of tickets. I mean, definitionally, because this time it's infinite, but also small enough that it's sold out very quickly. This time you can donate memberships, but we believe they have hit their donation target for that. But you can still donate to the general fund. And this um, is something that Reclamation in 2022 are also doing and we very quickly mentioned reclamation last episode at the very beginning but we haven't talked about it a great deal so um yes so reclamation when you sign up uh, the membership is 70 pounds for adult attending and different prices for other categories which are not the ones i fall into so i didn't look at them in great detail uh, but it asks you when you check out whether you would like to add a donation um, the recommended donation is 10 pounds towards letting less able fans uh letting fans attend who would be less financially able to do so um obviously if you can't afford 10 pounds uh, there's no pressure on you to do so like it's entirely up to you um but i think this is a really good idea and a way of kind of letting the more privileged of us in the community support the less privileged when it comes to uh wealth so yeah well done reclamation i think this is something that all east con should be looking at doing i would say that i believe it was Iterbium. 
that had this had this as well. I'm being a bit vague because I can't exactly remember, but I think it was Eterbium who also had uh, a bursary fund that you could uh, donate to. They, they had some issues around the bursaries, though, and I think Reclamation is doing a simpler, let's just donate memberships rather than granting bursaries with strings attached. Yes, I think that just is a, a sim- much simpler way to implement it. Um, uh, worth noting, I think Dublin had the fantastic Dublin Fund, which had some similar aspects. Um, and Discon and Shycon both have funds for this as well. So I think it's clearly going to be thing Worldcons do in the future. I quite like the way uh, Discon's one has basically two aims. One is getting underrepresented fans into Worldcon. But the other one is specifically for local fans who might enjoy it, but basically can't come in on a Worldcon membership um, and so it will let them come in and have like a taster of the convention or people who live locally. Um, so they don't need extra funding, but just a membership is too much of a barrier. So I think that's quite a nice sort of dual aim, especially for a kind of a convention that moves around every year. Yes. No. And um, yeah, I think I, I didn't, I wasn't aware that Eterbium had to, uh, tried to do something similar. Um, but I I think, have, like like you say, having it like right there on the reg form is, is really nice. Um so I think that's really positive. And in general, very excited about Reclamation in 2022. Great guest of honour list. Reclamation 2022 has a great guest of honour list. They have Zen Cho, who I love, and they have Mary Robinette Cowell, who I also love, and they have Philip Reeve, who I love, and they have Nicholas White, who I love. So this is a solid roster, in my opinion. Yes. Yes. It's very good. Well done, lads. Yeah, it's a very, very, very solid list. And I mean, by lads, I'm using lads in its British gender-inclusive form. Very sorry. Um. Yes, and also Firecon did publish details about their costs and platforms. So if you want to know how much it costs to run a virtual convention, uh, there will be a link in the show notes. I think Firecon published details of its platforms and costs shortly after... Um, the previous Farcon, and it was one of the things that I took into account when I was enthusiastic about the idea that punctuation would do the same. We have not done it any, in quite as much detail as they did, but it's good. I think it's very useful for conventions to do this, to give people who are planning other conventions a sense of what the really exciting things that they saw actually cost, because sometimes those things are very expensive, and sometimes they're not. They're just clever. So Firecon also announced the nominees of their Ignite Awards, which I believe are a set of jury nominations from uh, a committee from Firecon, which I think this year included some of the awardees from the previous year. And then they put all the nominees up for a public vote. So we've put a link in the show notes. There's some really interesting nominees on there. There's some crossover with the Hugos, um, but there's also some really interesting things on there, they have more categories as well because they have uh, categories for poetry, uh, specifically a, a critics award and some community awards. So it's worth going over there and checking out all the nominees and then you can vote until the 21st of May. Right, so I have just read all the way through the chat looking for Ask Octothorpe questions and have not found any, so that maybe didn't work. Look, um, right. Have we tried? Have we tried checking our Twitter? No, to, be, to be fair, there were there were at least two questions which I spotted, and I really should have copied and pasted them. So we had one from Jerry, which is, "What is the average airspeed velocity of a laden swallow?" Would that be an African or a European swallow? I I am able to make the for- correct religious forms here, <laughs> um, unlike John, who's who had no idea what that reference was referring. I do to. have an idea. It's Monty Python, but I always preferred the series to the movies. God, I sound like a... Really? Because the series has loads of really crap stuff. If you actually go and watch yeah. it, you go, oh, oh, this was a sketch show on the BBC, so one joke in five is very funny. What I should say is I'm a fan of the three-disc best of the sketch show set, <laughs> which solves an awful lot of that problem. It does. And uh, Claire Briley from Croydon also asks us, where should we stick the iPhone if we want to send you the proof you don't want? To be fair, that, that was the... That was the one that I decided we wouldn't actually use on our Cotterthorpe. 
<laughs> so and i did i did post in the chat because people were clamoring for a poll of where i should stick my iphone but i discovered i cannot do a poll of my own orifices so apologies to <laughs> okay all. so let me set up a poll of john's orifices no no okay, right <laughs> family show guys um it doesn't work if i'm the one making it a less family does it that was the 30th episode of the Octothorpe podcast. And it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. I'm using lads wrongly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I suppose well done chaps isn't going to do me any better, is it? Well done, everyone. No, we need to launch a campaign that makes it clear that chaps is gender neutral, because... Well done, guys. Guys is less... I, I think chaps is definitely more gender neutral than guys or lads. The two I've been using are folks and peeps, both of which are absolutely gender neutral. But I want chaps to become gender neutral because I like calling people chaps. I always use chaps in a gender neutral way until people started saying, oh, no, do you realise it's, it's not gender neutral? And I was like, it, it really is for me. But I mean, obviously, it's not always interpreted that way. So I will try to do better. Um, folks and peeps both are. Um, but Peeps is a trademark, so I have to be a bit careful about that. Roman suggests team, as in the reclamation team, which is a good one. But I also think I try to always use chaps in a gender neutral way is maybe the title of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. That that works. I like that. Um, okay. Um, I shouldn't say stuff like that now, because now John can't cut that bit of complete nonsense from the podcast. Yes! This is what I feed on. Bridget, Bridget suggests leather chaps, which does solve the problem of people interpreting it to mean men. But mini figs, mini figs, nice. Okay, mini figs. The theme music for this episode was "Fanfare for Space" by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com, used under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. <laughs> I never uh, say beep in chat now. We don't actually record the beep bit every time. Beep. There you go.